Well, thank you for joining us for the AAOF Clinical Podcast Series. My name is Dave Keating, and I practice in Seattle, Washington, and I am delighted to have Dr. Aaron Roof joining me today. Aaron, uh, welcome, and please tell us a little bit about you. Hi, Dave. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm Erin Roof. I am uh, currently at the Southern California College of Optometry at uh, Marshall B. Ketchum University in Anaheim, California. Um, I'm the chief of the Corning Contact Lens Service there and teach in the Contact Lens curriculum and do research and a bunch of other stuff. So, Yeah. Erin, I want to dive right into this. We picked a really interesting paper here, Visual Performance and Binocular Accommodative Function of Stop Contact Lenses Compared to the MySight Lenses. Here's some interesting things here. We are getting inundated with myopia management information. It is so refreshing. But um, there's new lenses that are coming out and they function a little bit different and they act different than lenses that we have. We just are grasping how my site is so amazing and it's clinical and, uh, clinical and research information. But new lenses are coming out and we're having to learn a little bit about them. So this paper talked a little bit about us. Just give us a brief little overview of what the paper is, 30 seconds or so. Yeah, yeah. So this paper is comparing um, these uh, this sort of novel new type of uh, contact lens design called STOP. Uh, mm-hmm. A STOP design. STOP stands for spatiotemporal optical phase. Um, but we'll just refer to it as STOP, mm-hmm. of course, obviously. Um, so, you know, we know that MySight is the first um, FDA-approved uh, soft multifocal contact lens for myopia management. MySight is going to cause peripheral defocus that sort of serves as a, a no pun intended here, a stop signal for the eye to grow. Um, again, super exciting. It's a great tool for us to have for myopia management. What the op- authors of this paper note, however, is that with a lens like MySight, um, there's usually an initial period of really high efficacy of that sort of slowing of myopic right. progression, but they we tend to see a sort of adaptation effect. Um, so sort of a plateau over time. And what the authors um, kind of hypothesize is that in order to continue to see, you know, progressive stopping of myopia progression, um, maybe there needs to be a switch in treatments or perhaps a more dynamic optical um, stimulus that yeah. is going to uh, kind of encourage the eye to stop growing. So okay. these, um, this stop design has sort of, a, a, it, it has a uh, sort of, they described it as a meridionally and as muthally varying power distribution. And I had to look up what as muthally meant. Um, I won't bore you with it, but it's basically just like a a, a different type of angle on, on how light is entering the eye. And this type of design is gonna cause astigmatic blur in the periphery. And notably, this lens is allowed to rotate on the eye so that blur is dynamic. So it's kind of moving around the eye. And in theory, again, that's going to be a, a different kind of sort of stop signal for myopic progression. Yeah, yeah. It's almost as if you're looking at a topography and you're seeing, um, uh, a little bit of steepening superiorly, and that's how the design kind of looks from what I, I remember reading this paper or yeah, the, the, the other design. Had, yeah, yeah, the figures they had were of the of the lens power profiles. Um, yeah, the the you know astigmatic portion was static, right? But again, they described that the lens was allowed to freely rotate on the eye, which would mean that how I'd interpreted that was that that blur would sort of move around the eye throughout the day. And what they were hypothesizing is that um, 
that dynamic movement of the blur could potentially be a better or better, maybe different type of stop stimulus um, than yeah. uh, uh, like a mycite lens that's more static. Yeah, so, so an important component of this is that it would rotate yeah. and it would cause that maybe blurring in different areas. Give a little bit of an overview of how the lens is compared in the study uh, for like comfort, vision, yeah. so really the binocularity. Yeah, the purpose of the study was sort of to compare these lenses to my sight, which is sort of the gold standard in, in this case, right? right? And basically to see if, you know, visually comfort wise, if there was a significant difference between the lenses. Um, the authors mentioned in the discussion that they're, you know, preparing to do a full on clinical trial with this type of lens to see how effective it is in myopia yep. management. And so this is sort of a first step, step to first say, hey, is it comparable to my site? Will our patients even be able to tolerate this lens? Um, so they measured um, subjective visual experience. So, you know, basically like the patient's opinion of the lenses and also, you know, objective visual acuity, high contrast visual acuity at distance, intermediate and near distances. Um, and really they found there wasn't a significant difference between any of those things. So I should say they, they compared two types of these stop lenses. Um, one they called an F2 stop lens and one they called a DT stop lens. Um, they didn't include a, a lot of information about either of those. I got the sense that that was sort of just two different flavors of these um, right. stop lenses. Um, I like how you and, call it flavors. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's, I have to, like I tell my students, I have to simplify things down in my brain so I can understand it. So flavors, mm -hmm. that first thing, it's like popsicle or something, right? Um, so um, basically they found that subjectively that F2 lens had better intermediate and near vision than the MySight lens. Mm -hmm. um, but the MySight lens had better subjective near vision than the DTU lens. Um, but really overall, there weren't, I, I would say there weren't compelling differences in subjective or objective visual acuity with these lenses. Um, there were no differences in comfort, um, no differences in um, willing, like they asked the patients if they'd be willing to buy, you know, either lens. All, every participant wore all three lenses in the, in the study and there was no difference there. Um, my site did perform slightly better um, at distance and near um, uh, on uh, high contrast visual acuity. Um, but the authors noted that um, in previous studies, oftentimes uh, my site has performed better kind of objectively, but subjectively not as well. Um, and sometimes the subjective preference is more important. Um, yeah. So a lot of data here in this study, but what I really walked away was, with was there wasn't a huge difference between any of the lenses, you know, sort of like a one factor here, one factor there, but not a marked um, difference between the lenses. Um, yeah. So, so if if we found out later that there was as an effective treatment or, you know, maybe a superior treatment in some way that you'd feel comfortable patients going in either direction based on this preliminary. Yeah. Data. I mean, based on this data alone, it was a small study, only about 28 um, participants. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think this is a, you know, when you're testing a new type of technology, this is a first step, right? And trying yeah. to say, you know, is this something that would be realistic that we could trial with our patients? Um, you know, even if you can show effectivity in myopia management, if a patient can't see well or doesn't like it or isn't comfortable, it's not a good treatment option, right? And so, right. yeah, this is a good first step. 
I'll be curious to see, um, you know, clinical trial results of, you know, how effective it is in the actual management of myopia. Do you think it has any potential based on what you saw here? But maybe. I mean, here, here it's we're not like actually looking at things like axial length or myopia progression, right? We're looking at subjective, uh, mostly subjective experience with the lens, which is important. It's really important. Um, but yeah, I'll be curious to see, you know, from a from a axial length and you know refractive error standpoint, if these lenses are able to influence myopia progression in a similar way that a soft multifocal or an orthokay yeah. lens can. Yeah. Fantastic. Any closing yeah. thoughts? Anything we haven't touched on yet? Yeah. You know, this is just a good reminder that this field is changing all the time. Um, you know, when I saw this title come across, I, I kind of said to myself, what? Stop lens? Like, is this a blind spot for me? Um, and so it's a good reminder to us as clinicians that um, you know, just stay on top of the literature, keep your eyes and ears open to what's happening and changing because, um, you know, th this is just a, a really, you know, dynamic field. We were talking about dynamic um, visual stimulus. It's a dynamic field and there's always new stuff out there. Um, so good to just make, make sure you're always staying on top of the, of the latest evidence. That's absolutely perfect. Wonderful. Thank you, Dr. Ruth. And thank you for joining us for this episode of the American Academy of Optometry's uh, Foundation Clinical Podcast Series. Make sure to like and subscribe, share with your friends. Uh, we'd love to get more information out to more people. So uh, make sure to let other people know about the podcast. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.